0: Please be seated.
1: An abridged version of Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout would not take the garbage out by Shel Silverstein. Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout would not take the garbage out Oh, she'd wash the dishes and scrub the pans, cook the yams and spice the hams, and though her parents would scream and shout, she simply would not take the garbage out. So it piled up to the ceiling coffee grounds, banana peelings. It filled the can and covered the floor. Cracked the windows and blocked the door. I mean, greasy napkins and cookie crumbs and blobs of gooey bubble gum. Cellophane from old baloney and rubbery, blubbery macaroni. The garbage rolled on down the halls, raised the roof and broke the walls. So at last the garbage reached so high, finally it touched the sky. <laughs> None of her friends would come and play, and all the neighbors, they moved away. And finally, Sarah, Cynthia Stout, said, Okay, I'll take the garbage out. But then, of course, the garbage rolled across the state from New York to the Golden Gate, and there, in the garbage, she did hate. Poor Sarah, she met an awful fate that I cannot now relate because uh, the hour is much too late. But all of you, remember Sarah Stout and always take the garbage out.
0: Thank you, Judy, for reading that. I asked Judy to read that story today as an illustration for one part of our Lenten season, a time of taking out the trash. As we heard, little Sarah Stout would not take the garbage out. In this time of self-reflection and self-examination in Lent, we have an opportunity to do some spiritual house cleaning of our own, a time to take the garbage out. Today, because I expect I might make you, a few of you, uneasy. You might squirm a bit, because we are going to talk about the S word and the R word, sin and repentance. Some of you may have had experiences in other churches where those words were used in very negative ways. You may have been railed at and called a sinner. You may have had preachers tell you that you must repent or you're going to hell. These words, sin and repentance, may have left a very bad taste in your mouth. They may stir up some bad memories of those experiences. So first I want to look at the definitions of these words. Sin, what does it mean? The dictionary describes sin as a disobedience to the known will of God a condition of estrangement from God resulting from that disobedience. Well, what does that mean? Simply that we haven't quite done what we ought to have done or that we have done what we ought not to have done. We've wandered off the path a bit, wandered and strayed like lost sheep, as one of our prayers in the Book of Common Prayer says wandered far from the way, the truth, and the life that Jesus gives us as an example to follow. In our traditional Lord's Prayer, we call sins trespasses. In the contemporary version of the same prayer, we call sins sins. Other versions of the Lord's Prayer refer to sins as debts, offenses, mistakes, hurts, or evils. Now, if you find the word sin to be so upsetting that you completely turn off when that word is heard, I invite you to use one of these other words. It took me a while to own the word sin and sinner for myself, and sometimes I still prefer the word mistakes. Well, whichever word you choose, sins or something else, this is the trash. This is the garbage that we need to take out. This is the stuff that gets in our way of our relationships with God, our family, our neighbors, and it even gets in the way of understanding ourselves. One of the reasons that I like the Ash Wednesday service is for the litany of penitence. In our weekly Sunday services, we usually say a general confession of sins, and because it is general, it allows each of us to meditate and offer silently to God those things that are specific to our own thoughts, words, and deeds. In the Litany of Penitence, we get a more detailed description of the ways that we have fallen short of how we should be with God. That list includes things like unfaithfulness, pride, hypocrisy, impatience, selfishness, manipulation, anger, frustration, Envy, greed, dishonesty, negligence, silence, indifference, injustice, cruelty, lies, uncharitableness, prejudice, contempt, wasteful ways, and disregard. Those are some powerful words. They put a face to my sins. They bring home to my heart many of the ways that I don't live into the life that God would have me lead. They sting a bit. To read those words and to know that I am guilty of, well, all of them at some point or another. And then there's a song by a contemporary Christian singer, Michael W. Smith, called Never Been Unloved. In it, he adds a few other descriptors that also speak to me and my ways of living. His lyrics say that I have been unworthy, unrighteous, unmerciful, unreachable, unteachable, unwilling, undesirable, unwise, unapproachable, unemotional, unexceptional, undecided, and unqualified. The one thing, though, that this song reiterates and ends with is, but even I can see the sacrifice you, Jesus, made for me to show that I have never been unloved. It's good to remember that last line. No matter how much trash we gather in our lives, enough to fill the halls and break down the walls, God will still love us. So, step one in our spiritual house cleaning, identify the trash. What are the ways that you and I need to improve ourselves to be more in line with the will of God for our lives. What are the sins that stop us from being the best that we can be? Step two, repentance. Another often highly charged word that is thrown around threateningly in some circles. In the Bible, in both Testaments, we read, Repent and return to the Lord. Jesus in today's Gospel reading says, Repent and believe in the good news. In Hebrew, repent means to return and to feel sorrow. In Greek, the word used for repent means a changed mind and heart, or a change of consciousness accompanied by regret. So when we talk about repentance, we're talking about a change of heart where we acknowledge that we did something wrong and that we feel sorry about that wrong. One of my sins is a tendency towards stubbornness. It often makes me unmovable, unwilling, and unyielding with respect to my position. It doesn't help me in my relationship with my partner to be so adamant. It only hurts me and hurts her. So having identified this as something I want to change, what should I do now? How do I repent? The first step in correcting our mistakes, righting our wrongs, and getting rid of our sins, is confessing what they are. We have our general confession on Sundays, but I'm not limited to just that as my confession. I can, and do, pray to God at any time and tell him that I realize I've made a mistake. And next I tell God, I'm really sorry for being so stubborn. The third step in repentance is asking God to help me. I ask that he help me to be less obstinate and teach me to be more open to others' points of view or suggestions or actions. Our Psalm 25 today echoes some part of that in my repentance. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Gracious and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in his way. He guides the humble in doing right and teaches his way to the lowly. One word of caution. I have found that the way that God instructs us is usually by experience. If you pray, for example, for more patience, God will put you in situations that will require you to have more patience. (laughs) Just saying. So likewise, if I ask God to teach me ways to be less stubborn, it means that I'm probably going to find myself in situations that will require me to surrender my position and to allow others to influence me. Now, having identified the sin, acknowledged what I've done or ought not to have done, and apologized for it, and asked for God's help, that's sometimes all I need to do. That will usually do the trick. I feel unburdened of my problem with my stubbornness, and I have faith that God will help me and guide me to a better way of accepting others' ideas. Whew, okay, that wasn't so bad after all, but not always. Sometimes, sometimes I get really wrapped around the axle about something where I just can't get past it. I recognize that I'm being stubborn, but I just can't let it go. I keep trying to hand it off to God. I keep dwelling on it even after I've confessed it. I feel miserable and confused and yucky inside. In those cases, I need more help. I need to talk to someone I can trust. Someone who can help me figure out where and why I'm stuck in this place of stubborn ickiness. That person could be a close and wise friend, or a therapist, or a priest. We Episcopalians inherited personal confession from our Catholic ancestors. We don't use confessional booths, and we don't make it mandatory, and we call it the rite of reconciliation instead of confession, because it goes beyond just confessing our sins. We move from sinner to reconciled. We move from living in or with our sins to living in and with God's forgiveness. We've sort of kissed and made up with God. This is done face to face with a priest in a place of privacy. He or she will hear my description of my problem and help me to see where I am stuck and pray with me to make amends and then pronounce God's forgiveness over me. In 12-step programs, this is similar to steps four and five. And there is a real power of release in speaking our sins out loud. Once the sin is out in the open, known by another person, it loses its hold over us and loses its scariness and thus its power to shame us. It is no longer a threat to us because we've acknowledged it, and shared it with another person and we found that that other person still loves us and only wants to help us. Now when that person is a priest, they're standing in as God's representative to show us God's unfailing and unconditional love. The reading from First Peter mentions baptism as an outward sign of cleanliness, not of the body, but of a good conscience, a clean conscience. Just before my confirmation as an Episcopalian in 2001, I decided I wanted to make my confirmation of faith with a clean conscience. And so I made an appointment with my priest to do a life confession. All the sins that I could recall over the whole of my life, the ones that I felt were still in the way of my being right with God, Given that I was almost 40 years at the time, there was a lot to confess. And it was scary. I was telling this person, my priest, my friend, things that I had never told anyone else. What would she think of me afterward? Would she be revulsed? Would she still like me? Would she still love me as a child of God? I was terrified. We worked our way through my confession in an hour and a half. (laughs) There were tears of contrition on my part. There were tears of understanding on her part. And there were tears at the end from both of us, tears of joy. I had told her everything and she did still love me and assured me God still loves me too. And I felt clean. I had taken the garbage out, washed the dirty laundry and cleaned the windows for that matter. (laughs) As our Lenten season begins, I invite you, no, I challenge you to do some spiritual spring cleaning. Use this time to really, honestly look at yourself. What is going on inside you that keeps you from living a life of joy in God's presence? Devote your time to examining your life. Journal. Read. Reflect. Find your mistakes, wrongs, hurts, trespasses, debts offenses, sins. And then, do not be like Sarah, Cynthia, Sylvia Stout. Instead, please, please, please take the garbage out. Amen. Amen.
1: Our great God has formed us from the dust of our being
0: in the midst of the waters of creation. Let us adore.